You're listening to the Fooled by the Root podcast. This is Heidi Marble. I'm so glad you're here to listen to this anonymous episode with Christina. So many of you will be able to relate to the guilt and shame and secrecy that Christina is wrapped in because she does not want to hurt her adoptive family. But she also has found her original family and loves them and wants a relationship. So she is put in a very terrible position. She speaks very honestly about the pain that all of that is causing. I did this interview a few months ago and Christina just reached out to me and said that she is really doing well. She's found an adoption competent therapist. So her healing has progressed and we'll be really excited to have her back to hear more about her story. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Heidi Marvel, your host. I am so excited to have an anonymous interview tonight with Christina. Her story is really, really beautiful, and she wants to share from her heart what her experiences have been as an adoptee. I would like to read the bio that she sent. Christina is a devoted mother to two young boys, a loving wife to one amazing man. She is both an adoptive daughter and a biological daughter, a youngest sister and an oldest sister. Christina is a caregiver to her family and to her parents who seek her assistance to improve their quality of life following neurological trauma and disease. As she adjusts to her post reunion life, she wishes to be a champion for adoptees who follow this path in seeking the answers to their true existence on earth. So Christina, a couple of things stand out to me. First of all, the duality, being both an adoptive daughter, biological daughter, and the true existence part really touches me. Maybe we can just start with that. Tell us how you found Pulled by the Root, and then maybe if you could just dive in and tell us your your adoption story. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I read American Baby, and throughout the last couple of years, I felt that I really needed to tell my story. And so, um, so after reading the book, I decided just to go ahead and reach out to her and she graciously responded within a day, um, and said that she was extremely busy, but I should probably just look into Heidi Marble's podcast. And at that point I thought, Oh, podcast, why haven't I not thought of podcast as something to connect to the adoptee community? And I'm so glad that I did. Um, So I reached out to you, Heidi, and graciously again, within 24 hours, responded and said, yes, this is great. I would love to talk more. So here we are. And it makes me excited to be able to share um, on this platform for sure. Um, So my story, um, I feel like I have a hard time knowing where to start sometimes because there was a story that I knew for 35 years. (laughs) And then Mm. the new story that came into existence. So thinking of all of that, I will start by I was born, my birth certificate states that I was born in Pennsylvania, I was adopted into a family in Ohio. um, But we are right across the border from Pennsylvania. So you know, that question was always out there for me, but um, adopted into a family 
um, Catholic family through Catholic social services. And um, I have an older sister who is four years older than myself. She is biological to my parents. Uh, They had infertility issues and went through a lot to um, become um, with child with her. And it turned out they had twins um, that they found out at the uh, last minute kind of thing. And um, my uh, sister's twin brother only survived five days post birth. Um, And Mm -hmm. so they decided that instead of continuing the um, trauma of infertility that they would adopt. And the story gets kind of fuzzy from there. Um, uh, When I think they waited or they had to wait right through the services, it was 1979. So it wasn't um, 20 years earlier when things were moving, maybe at a faster rate. So they um, waited, she's four years older than me. Um, And so I um, ended up with them and was told not much about, I actually, um, I don't remember anybody telling me I was adopted until I was in third grade. And I had a um, classroom project about being unique. And I remember going home and saying, I, I, I don't know what's unique about me, mom. And she said, well, sit down and pulled out my birth, my baby book and said, just so you know, you were adopted and we brought you into the family. (laughs) Um, And this is what makes you unique and special, special. (laughs) um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And what's really funny is um, in our recent uh, conversations, my mom does not remember it the same way I do. She remembers telling me just like they told me to do at the social services. We told you from the time you were born. Um, But anyway, that's the memory that I um, live on is this third grade memory. And it was just my mom. It wasn't my dad involved. Loving home. I grew up, um, you know, two loving parents, a very large extended family that all lived within a mile of each other. And we saw each other all the time. And, there's all these people that are so alike and they all look alike and they act alike. And I just never felt I fit in because they loved me, but I always knew I was different. I definitely didn't really belong into this uh, bloodline of people. Um, so fast yeah, there's definitely meeting. a disconnect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was. And no one made me feel that way. Cause honestly, we just didn't talk about it. No one talked about mm-hmm. it. It, it, um, I was just a member of the family, which was lovely. I felt included, but no one talked about the fact that I was not of their bloodline. Um, so about the time I was 16, the World Wide Web (laughs) 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 became in existence. And I can remember sitting in a computer lab in high school and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is my way to do this anonymously. Here I am anonymously um, and try and find some way of reuniting with, with my birth family. And so 
I did some of the things that were available at the time, but to no avail. And um, I remember the second conversation I had with my adoptive mother, mother was around that time. And um, she said, just no, I, I, I'll always help you. I'm, I'm here for you and I'll help you if you want to search, but we can't tell your dad. Like he, he won't be able to understand it. So right there, I was like, well, forget that. <laughs> I'm not going to. That's so hard. That's so yeah, hard. Yeah. At the time, mm-hmm. I just thought, well, okay, I um, will go ahead and just not talk about it again, which I continued throughout my, into my 20s. I, it was, I remember hearing you say on a different podcast that it was something you were proud of and you told everybody about, and it was the complete opposite um, for myself. I um, hid it. I didn't discuss it. Um, I can remember the conversation I had with my spouse, which we had known each other for years. And I was, I don't know, it was just something that, I didn't talk. <laughs> when I, I told you, you I was so gonna sick cry. <laughs> oh, I cry for every podcast, so you are in good company. And I have a oh. feeling that people that are listening, this is a safe, raw, and real place. And I think, you know, I wrote down a quote. I actually have it on my desk in front of me, and I think it's it's really uh, would be a nice interjection here. Secrets Please. dig a debt. Secrets dig a debt, and I think when our souls have to carry this, the shame and the secrecy for something that, you know, not to sound entitled, but my goodness, you know, being adopted person, we shouldn't have to feel so bad about wanting to know who we are. You know, the anonymous part is really, it's powerful. It's a space where you can be free, but it also makes me sad that that's the place that people have to go to be free until they can, literally. So I wonder if you could sink into that a little bit more because you're you're starting to reveal why you're anonymous. And Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, because I have a feeling it's to protect someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It um, kind of flash forwards to uh, reunion. And when Mm. I finally, um, I did a few other things along the way, got some non-identifying information that I petitioned through a court when I was like in my twenties before I got married and um, nothing came of it um, for the most part. And so um, 35 years old, my father-in-law said, I'm going to, he was retired. I had a lot of time on his hand. I'm going to do a family tree. Would you like me to, try and find your birth family. Well, sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, ancestry.com spit in the tube, all the things. Um, and within a couple months, we had results, which connected us to my biological father's aunt uh, and my father-in-law still being my searcher, my search angel, I guess we could call him. Uh-huh. Um, 
<laughs> he uh, immediately reached out to her with my permission. So kind and like trying to make sure that everything was okay with me and how he was doing things. And um, so he reached out to her and she said, yeah, I kind of remember one of my nephews and blah, blah, blah. So here's his name. Um, so we reach out to him and my father-in-law makes first contact and uh, my life got turned upside down from that moment on. I, yeah, I don't even know. I, I, it really wasn't that long ago. It was only six years. Actually, we just had our anniversary of contact two days ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of emotion in that time. But, um, what's funny is I'm looking back and thinking about this. And one of my first things I knew that I had to do was tell my adoptive family right. before I felt comfortable making contact with anybody. My father-in-law had, but I said, no, I feel like I need to tell them. I owe it to them. To do that. <laughs> So hard. <laughs> so hard. So I made the call and they were, um, you know, okay. Uh, okay. You found them. I understand your desire to do that. Okay. And I said, all right, uh, here's the details and I'm going to make contact. And that was kind of, I was able to leave that and then go and do the, um, the meetings and the, the talks and things. And, you know, what I, what I uncovered was just so amazing. I mean, it was my, it was my origin story. <laughs> so, so much. <laughs> and I know that you understand this because it was so, so deeply so deeply it's like there's just this huge missing I almost feel like you know those coloring books we used to have you know and and it's just coloring in yeah or the the inside of us it's it's just like filling in that space with color and definition and being able to you know become really ourselves for the first time in a way because we have that missing piece put back in and and I yeah. think, you know, when I hear the, the ache and the pain in your voice, when you, when you call your adopted family, it, it's such a risk to take. And it, it's so frightening to do that because I, I can't speak for you, but there's a part of us as adoptees that we feel grateful and we, we worry, like, are they going to reject us? Is this a selfish decision? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think those are some of the things that we're grappling with in addition to just this primal desire to, to figure out who, who we really are. It, it yeah. is highly emotional experience on so many levels. Oh, one of the definitely most intense uh, times in my life, for sure, yes. that I didn't expect. And honestly, you know, I never really talked about coming out of the fog, but that's when it all happened. I mean, it was all of a sudden I have all of this information and it's a lot. <laughs> and I think that's 
also when I started to realize deeper feelings that I had suppressed and um, dealt with. So, you know, if, if we we're to continue the topic of uh, the anonymous is that um, mm. when I finally was asked from my adoptive family again, how's it going? What happened? Mm-hmm. They didn't take it well. Uh, they they told me that they understood my desire to know and to have information they didn't think it would go any further yeah Christina they just I know yeah so um well that that part is uh, has been very hard. It it is such a horrible spot, and I connect with you so deeply on this because that is you know people that listen to the podcast know the destruction that happened because I chose to have an affair with my birth family. That's the best way I can describe it because you know, I began, I couldn't give them up once I found them. And I began to take trips and calls and lie. (laughs) I I actually went five years, almost five years without connecting with my birth sister and my birth family until I realized she had cancer. And then the gloves were off at that point. And it was just this bloody emotional battle that went on. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, telling our stories, Christina, and being able to allow space for hearing the pain that is involved. Yeah, it's really, really important. And what I hope people get is a better understanding of the loss surrounding adoption. And that, you know, the people that adopted us, they, they have the instincts to want to know who their family is, and, you know, have pride in that. And it's like, why would sure. they do that too? Yeah, and, right. and I think it's about, I really think it's about educating people more. You know, I don't know what the answers are, but I feel like the answer lies in the truth. And then we can share our experiences. Maybe someone will be helped in some way or have yes. a deeper level of under understanding. So like, can you give, can you give me a little more detail on what that, that looked like? Like, how did you then move forward? So your adoptive family is now letting you know, "Mm -mm, this isn't working. Right. So then what? So uh, I, um, I started to put a boundaries uh, because Mm -hmm. I thought, well, you know, I got to that point of, I haven't been control in control of any of this. And it's about right. time for me to be in control of it. <laughs> I'm a grown adult with children of my own. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can make these decisions for myself. Um, and so I started to put up some boundaries with them. Um, and just tried to avoid contact <laughs> for, a, for a long time. Um, you know, following a lot of Um, events that occurred, I I started to try and educate um, my adoptive mother about what I was going through, but it was very um, clear early on that 
it wasn't going to be something that she was able to to um, understand. Um, and so I put up more boundaries um, in the middle of all of this. A year after I found everybody and my father and I, my adoptive father and I um, had a big falling out um, as well as my husband trying to trying to get to my father about what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing. Um, he got sick, uh, terminally sick. Um, and oh, Christina, <laughs> I dropped everything and I spent um, a year taking care of him and my mom, my adoptive parents flying, flying across the country um, every month for weeks at a time to, try and help them because there were parallels in my professional life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I just felt this, there, there was actually a statement from my adoptive sister who she said she wasn't flying back as often. And she said, I can't help it that you're, that you feel guilty and that that's why you're doing this. No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, No, no, no. Yeah. Oh man. Christina, you're kidding. It's yeah, it was, um, it was rough, but so he passed away three years ago and I put everything else on hold. I put all the reunion time on hold. Um, so anyway, fast forward, I'm still not able to get through to my adoptive mother, but I have a wonderful relationship with my (laughs) logical family. Um, I, my biological father, I was able to connect with, and he had a wealth of information because a person had um, reached out to him the year before I contacted him and said that she was his daughter with this woman. And he said, well, the dates don't match up. I don't think that's right. And it turns out that she my biological mother had given birth to her three years after myself um, and also relinquished her. Um, wow. And uh, drum roll, she, our, our mother, was also adopted. Um, oh, my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> into a uh, family who could not... Um, have children and so she was first they adopted another and then they had five kids of their own she grew up in this horrible environment that was not great anyway so she really relinquished me she met another man had this baby and they weren't able to care for her properly so they relinquished her but stayed together and had more kids of their own so yeah I that's have... a head scratcher <laughs> <laughs> The, the levels and the layers are just overwhelming for sure. Um, so I have a, a sister, half sister, who was also uh, grew up in an adoptive family with an older biological brother to her parents. Um, and she knew about me her whole life. And uh, really? she reached out. Yeah. She That's reached out to our biological mother. Uh, I, it, it, this, this story, it just she and I are are the shining moment of all this. <laughs> oh, um, I know. I feel that with my <laughs> sister too. It's like, it's worth all the pain, the suffering, just to yeah. have that beautiful relationship. 
and that's what yes that is what makes mm. makes it all important but um she uh, had reached out to him because she had reached out to our biological mother via some letters and our biological mother was very um very uh, much not willing to have a relationship she responded and said i've thought about you on your birthday but you have a family and i have a family and i don't want anything to do with you and so she then sure. responded again and said, um, I hope you have a good life. By the way, this is your father. <laughs> and you look like him. And so my sister said, well, okay, I'll reach out to him. And that was when he said, no, that's no, that this must be another baby. She had another baby that um, she relinquished. So Oh my goodness. Also, um, he told my father-in-law before I made contact that not only did I have this sister and other siblings, he had had three other daughters as well. Um, no. That, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, that our biological mother had passed away almost exactly a year before from breast cancer. And he knew that because he had, kept contact with my half-sister and she found out from our other half-siblings because our biological mother knew she had cancer for six years and didn't tell a soul and she did not get treatment and was dying slowly of breast cancer and alcoholism and they a year before she died, found these letters and reached out to my sister and said, we know she doesn't want to have anything to do with you, but we do. And she told us that we could do whatever we wanted when she was dead. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, the, I'm still grappling with how I feel about her death yeah I, I mean just personally I I'm really <sighs> mad for you <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm feeling very defensive you know it, it feels <laughs> it feels so hard to understand like like I think that's the part that that uh, makes my mother's heart ache is, is that I just can't imagine feeling that way like what is that is that a defense mechanism is she feeling too guilty to you know I suppose there's yeah. so many psychological layers but it just feels not to be harsh but boy does that feel cold that that just well, like ooh, ouch and you know I actually I talked to some of her adoptive siblings well, one of them. And she said she grappled with a lot of demons and that was kind of the word that stuck to me. And I honestly, I do feel sorry for her having been adopted herself and never right. coming to grips with it. She told everybody she didn't want to know. She didn't need to know. We've since found her too. My maternal grandmother who gave her up and she also was very much not interested. That is, didn't that's I? so fascinating. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh. So this, there's this whole other layer of adoption that um, 
you know, us reaching out to community and wanting to talk about it and wanting to invest in others and, and make our, our story known, there's this other layer of people that want to take it to their grave and not talk about it and not um, face the demons and face what is um, obviously something extremely uh, difficult for adoptees and birth mothers. Yeah, um, I think I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about reunion because I think both of us yours sounds a little bit more complex than mine but as far as the dynamics of you know the adoptive parents not wanting this to continue Mm -hmm. and relationships to bloom and all of the things that happened and then the rejection that happened from both your adopted and biological you know mothers and all of that is just extremely painful to be tangled in what would you advise like adoptees who are seeking their truth what would you tell them based on your experience well I mean I did not seek out help until I was in the throes of this um I I realized that I needed support more so than my wonderful husband and family or, you know, my husband and my friends could give me. And so I did end up reaching out to support groups and um, they helped me a lot. I felt um, just like with you, I feel like I can trust you because you've been through it. And so I feel like, um, even though I've met and come across so many sympathetic members of my family and reunion and everyone other than my adoptive family wants to make me feel included and, and, and happy and wanted, I still have this disconnect because of my adoptive family and everything else. And so finding the community is what has helped me um, deal with some of my feelings. And, you know, I did seek a therapist, especially when my dad was ill. Um, But I didn't really know what I needed. Still, I was still grappling Mm -hmm. with him dying and and all of these other things happening. And so um, I'm just now trying to find an adoptee competent therapist that I can kind of work through some of these things with. So that's my advice is to dive deep into the community and feel like you can trust them because we're the only ones that can, can have some kind of sympathy behind all of the layers of of what is happening. And, you know, I feel, um, one of the things I'm also dealing with is that I still feel so guarded toward my biological father who, um, if we rewind a bit, he has been phenomenal. Um, He was extremely welcoming and desired to reconnect with me. And um, his daughters and I are trying to build relationships and he wants to get to know my family and the kids and, and he's been great, but I'm still so guarded with him. And I want to be able to find a way to let down that um, 
shield, which I think is because of the fact that I'm still close with my adoptive family, even though we don't talk about this massive major thing happening in my life. Right. <laughs> it's like I a herd of elephants, not just an elephant in the room. It's right? like a herd. <laughs> totally. And I'm having a secret affair with him and everybody else mm-hmm. because. Oh, it's so um, fun, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you know, oh. And, and the guilt. Oh my gosh, the guilt. I mean, there's already so much guilt. And then to think, well, I'm going to like take a few extra days when I'm visiting you and let you know I'm going home, but I'm not really going home. Uh, Just the guilt of um, all of it. I want to just shed it and I need to find a way to do that. Um, Yeah. yeah. You know, you just, you know, I mean, you're still living this here you have a beautiful adopted person who simply wants the very basics, which is to know who they truly are. And I know that it's complicated. I know that people feel territorial, but to me, it feels almost wrong. If, and, and if anybody's listening to this, that is getting ready to adopt a child, please, please, I beg you to listen to adoptees who are living the trauma of that experience and know that, that you can parent them through some of this in a way that, that will actually endure you to them more. Like I can't, I'm sure you feel the same way. If your adopted family would have, you know, white knuckled it and just held on through this with you, could you have loved them anymore? Probably not. Like, to have that kind of love and acceptance instead of the opposite of that, because there's a threat of losing you or whatever gets wrapped up into that. There's so many layers, but I think, you know, as adoptees, we pay such a a heavy price. And I I also think in my own parenting, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, Christina, but when I had my son, I think I did so much fear-based parenting and not never wanting him to feel abandoned and blah, blah, blah. It, It is like, these issues don't just stay inside of us. We spread them to our relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I went on a tangent there. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I mean, all of it is relevant. It's all um, definitely things that I have had to deal with. And I feel like I still was probably in the fog when I had my boys. I know a lot of people kind of come out of it at that point, but um I was deeply entrenched in my emotional inner issues so much so that I was so fearful that they would not love me or uh, attached to me. Um, And uh, I guess a segue to that is (laughs) this is something I, I am embarrassed about is that throughout this entire process, I, my children were five and seven when I, began reunion and Mm -hmm. I was so shameful and guilty about finding everybody that I didn't tell them, you know, why is mom so sad? Why is, why is mom crying all the time? And then this man comes to visit. We say, Oh, this is just a friend of mom's coming to visit when in reality, it's their biological grandfather who just wants to get to know them. It was probably like three months later I finally said to my husband okay I'm done (laughs) I'm done with his secrets 
done living this um, fear of uh, abandonment. And we told them, I mean, they were young. They were, they thought it was great. Oh, great. I have no cousins. Oh, it's great. (laughs) But we still live around this. um, We still hide from my mother. I mean, they know that when she comes to visit or we go to visit her, we don't talk about that family. And it's um, so hard. Really hard. I'm still hopeful that we'll get past it, but um, I'm not sure that we will. And I just need to be okay with that, knowing that I'm building my family the way I get to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just having a tiny bit of control. Yeah. And you know, I think it's so hard. It's like, what do you choose? Do you choose guilt or do you choose resentment? (laughs) (laughs) If if you stop, if you stop, you know, having a relationship with them, then you you begin to resent that you're not able to for whatever reasons. And it's being trapped in these very high wattage emotions all of the time. And then go ahead and try to function like a normal human being in the middle of all this. It it is such an exhausting experience. And I, you know, put aside your own issues in mm-hmm. order to focus on this person that you love. I mean, they love me. We have been in love my whole life, but there's just too many issues that they can't, it, you know, and I, I just recently realized that by them telling me that they were not accepting of what I was doing, I realized that their love was conditional. You know, we talk about if you have Mm -hmm. kids, you have unconditional love. And it was at that moment just recently that I realized, oh, it's conditional on me fitting into what their life plan was, which was not being reunited with my family and was continuing to love only them. Um, And that's hard. <laughs> it is one of the hardest truths, I think. And it, it is so difficult to conceptualize that, yeah. that that is the, the truth. It's really, really hard to swallow. Um, because, you know, we've been told one thing, we'll always love you, you know, love you no matter what, except there's some fine print. <laughs> like wait wait a minute I probably always knew that because I was the good Mm -hmm. adoptee my sister who's biological was like she was kind of the rebel I was good (laughs) I didn't want to upset them I didn't want to make them mad I didn't want to disappoint them so I kind of always knew this was the case but yeah to find out in such a way is is um man (laughs) it's a slap in the face for sure. It, it is. And, you know, you, you just said it so perfectly. It's just that, that feeling when you realize, oh my goodness, I was, I was put here to fill, it's kind of like a job. This is my yeah. job. Yeah. I, I've been placed here without any choice of mine to, to fill a right. hole that exists and, and whatever reasons. 
and you know, these things exist in biological families. It's, you know, trauma is not specific to adoptees, but my goodness, do we have the mother load, no pun intended, just <laughs> all of this other stuff, you know, it's, it's really a lot. What, and what do you think, you know, Christina, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, please finish. Well, I was just going to say that it's difficult to grapple with, um, you know, am I overthinking things? Is this something that I need to just get over and deal with? And um, I, you know, again, I should be lucky <laughs> and all of these things. And so um, everyone has issues to uh, deal with and to kind of um, mm -hmm. figure out in their lives. But that's again, why this community is so important. Um, because it's people that can uh, identify with you and validate some of those feelings. That was my thought. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was a really important point because I think for some reason when I went through it, I honestly thought I was the only one in the world that was this <laughs> selfish. I would really love for you to speak to, you know, the adopted parents. What could you say to them to, to reassure them, to maybe advise them that go this way, that not that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I have a lot of hope that in our generation, which you and you know, that the education and the counseling was not as robust as it is now. Um, I don't know that that's true. I'm just hoping <laughs> that, mm -hmm. um, you know, there should be counseling that's involved with undertaking an adoption. Um, and I try and educate anybody that says to me, oh, we're thinking about adopting. Well, they don't want to hear the adoptee's voice all the time because that makes it something they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that side of it. So I really hope that professionals and agencies are providing that type of very needed counseling and education on this is is possible. This is what's going to happen. Possibly, this is how you should deal with this. And um, you know, knowing the primal wound and knowing uh, the adopted self and how that develops is so important for anybody wanting to adopt. And you know, I I tried to get the message across to my to my parents of, I, I don't love you any less. I, there's enough love. I don't love you any less. I just need to know this and you're not going to be replaced. And everyone can be a, a parent and a grandparent and um, just also reflecting on yourself. I think a lot of what happened with my adoptive parents is that they did not um, take care of their own issues regarding infertility and the loss of a child um, and their need to family. And so, gosh, therapy, counseling, I mean, explanation yes. point. Yeah. Yeah. Underline, highlight, bold. <laughs> yes. All, yes. All the things, bring it out. And again, the generations are different and I hope that that's changing. I think that it is, but you know, I, ho I hope it's changing. 
Yes, I hope so too. And I hope with these conversations, then it feels like, you know, there, there's a, a little bit of a tsunami happening globally where people are trying to change laws and draw more attention to the reality of it. And is there anything else that, that you wanted to, to share about your journey as we wrap things up? Anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you really want people to know? Because a lot of people are in pain and you are still living this pain on a very real level. Yeah. You know, it's not over yet. And, right. And I think that that's, that's really what I would like to hopefully um, educate any other adoptees listening that are going through it or potentially going to go through it is that I didn't realize the extent to which my life would be upended. Um, You know, there's always this, this fantasy with closed adoption and this unknowing. And um, I I just didn't realize that it was going to change my life um, in a very, very real way and still is. And so just being able to be kind to yourself through all of it, because again, we didn't have the choice in this matter. Um, we're the ones who have to live it though and um, you know seek help and find people that will support you and put up boundaries when you need to in order to survive (laughs) oh Christina (sighs) yeah and find other people like us that can talk about it and in a real way. Yeah. Yes. So beautifully said. Thank you so much for, for sharing, for opening up your heart and letting us in to, to hear about your experience. It was just beautiful. Our time together meant a lot to me and I hope to follow up with you and hopefully have good news. <laughs> maybe some resolution so yeah well I so appreciate what you're doing and um, that you're taking the time to talk to um, the important members of this situation and get our voices out and we'll keep we'll keep fighting for what we know is what we need and what is true to us absolutely because what happened matters and um yeah it has to be, it has to be acknowledged and addressed. That's it, just, it's time, prime time. Secrets are not good for anybody, for anything. Secrets do nothing but fracture relationships. That's right. That's right. The truth yeah. is it can be painful, but it is, it is the necessary way to heal. Yes. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi.